In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting in Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi everyone, it's September 20th, 2013, and you're listening to episode 79 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And we're coming to you from the floor. And curled up in little fetal balls. Because we kind of got sucked into two geeky shows that are going to destroy us. And we knew they are going to destroy us when we went into it, too. Yep. We're dead. Pretty much. We're going to be so completely <laughs> annihilated. I'm going to be an angry annihilated, at least. You're going to be angry and going to want to kill things. It still feels, though. Yeah. You're going to want to kill things. I'm just going to want to curl up and die. But you have biscuits and tea. Because nothing is beautiful anymore. (laughs) So, in case you're wondering, we got sucked into... Do you want to go first? I got sucked into Game of Thrones. And I have officially gotten sucked into, into, into Doctor Who. Now, it's not that we've been avoiding either of these for any reason. And we have seen, like, episodes of Bits and Pieces. Like, Bits and Pieces. I have seen a couple, I had seen a few episodes of Doctor Who. But I had seen a few episodes, like, here and there. Like, scattered around. Right. Uh, Until two weeks ago when Space Network in Canada, which is sort of the equivalent to the Sci-Fi Network in the U.S., started running all of Modern Who, starting from the beginning of The Ninth Doctor. And they're showing, like, 12 hours of it. Each Sunday. So I just set the DVR, and now I am well and truly sucked in. <laughs> and it's not that it isn't a good show, it's not that I've always been like, eh, Doctor Who, or anything like that. That's not why I haven't wanted to get sucked in. It's because I am on Tumblr. I have seen the emotional trauma that it causes. Especially when Moffat gets his hands on it. So... You know people are going to go away. Yes. And you know there will be flailing and there will be tears. Yes. And I've been partly like, I don't know if I want to start watching this, because I don't know if I can deal with this bullshit from Moffat on two shows. <laughs> Sherlock is bad enough. I still have feels watching the Reichenbach fall. We all have feels. Watch. It's, it's a whole new wound that just blossoms right up over the old one. Yes. It just keeps cracking open every single time I see it. You see, every time I watch Game of Thrones, I just have feels over the injustice and I want to go kill things. I should probably watch it before Taekwondo. That would be a strategy. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be a good strategy. It'll be especially good considering certain episodes that I know are coming up. I know. I I am not averse to spoilers. In fact, I think they sort of gird me against the flailing. Yeah. If I'm aware of what's happening. So I do know a certain... I'm not going to spoil here for those people out there who don't want to know or are saving the series for a certain time. I am aware of certain things that happen, and I have gone searching on YouTube and in on Wikipedia, and I have done an episode synopsis research, and yeah, I kind of want to kill things a lot of the time. <laughs> I can't swing a sword to save my life, but I kind of really, really want to try. Yeah, and I mean, like, I know what happens, that's the one thing that I'm thinking might be a good thing, is like, with Doctor Who, I know what happens. Pretty much. There's some stuff I'm like, like I'm... Not sure how it happens, because, you know, this is Doctor Who, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. So some of it I'm like, but how, what, how are they there, and that, and what, which timeline is this, and how does it go all, like, you know, ball of string that has gotten infinitely knotted? But I I sort of know the basics. Okay. And I know certain things. 
And I know what, you know, the fans So find it's, it's like most yarn, painful. it's yarn soup. Yeah. And it's a big ball of wibbly wobbly. Timey wimey. Timey wimey stuff. And of course, this is all happening at the same time. This is post Knitter's Fair. Yes. Sigh. Yes. Oh dear. So we can start off Adventures in Knitting with, uh, some Knitter's Fair discussion. And we actually recorded a bit. At the Knitter's Fair. Because, um, we had the opportunity, yeah. as you will find out. So I will just drop in some audio here for you to enjoy. So here's our initial before getting into the fair experience. Yeah. So we're here at the King at the Kitchener Auditorium. Oh hell! (laughs) We are waiting in line to get in. Apparently, they have strict capacity rules, and they're at capacity. So, what time is it now? It's oh, it's just after ten thirty. Yeah, just after 10.30, we got here, what, around 10? Yeah. So we've already been waiting half an hour. Well, by the time we got our tickets, maybe we're like 15 minutes. Yeah. 10.23. So we're waiting. So we cannot get in until some people leave. And the line is out beyond our beyond our site. Yeah, there are 50 people downstairs waiting to get in. And now we've got another, what, 75 or so? Easily. There's got to be 200 people in line. There is no joy in Mudville today. No. <laughs> no joy in yarn belt. No, no. I have not seen a smile yet. That's not the way that a yarn convention should be. Everybody has been so excited about this day. Yeah. And people just keep coming in. So, when we actually get in there, where are we going? We decided on Shall We Knit. Yeah, because they have Indigo Dragonfly this year. Yes. And they also have that Wola Koigu that you like. Yes. And because Michelle wants the... Signature needles. <laughs> Signature needles. Wellington Fiber is just around the corner from that. So you can look for your little boxes of happiness. Happiness, yes. And I will probably be looking at Gemini Fibers. If they have Nitty Nodies anywhere else, I wouldn't mind looking at them, but... Black Lamb will also have them. Okay. I was trying to think of what was the what was the other, like, heavy on the spinning stuff store that is always at these things, and I couldn't remember what it was. Black Lamb. I want a little dish for my supported spindle. Do they have those at Gemini? Gemini. Yep. And maybe some, but if we get down there, you're in for a penny and for a pound. Yeah. yeah. So like in the bunker. Stay yeah, there. Exactly. <laughs> and that's going to be the problem for the people at the end of the line. I know. Is that the people like us are not going to come out up for air until we're yeah. heading home. No way, man. Well, I mean, because, yeah, because well, when we go to the Knitter's Fair or to the Knitter's Frolic, yeah. usually we get there at like 10, 9 30, 10. We go in. Yeah. At like 12.30, we finally meet up again, and we're like, okay, how about we get some lunch? Right. <laughs> Same thing with this one, really, because we used to have to go, there was that middle room that had food in it, so we usually sort of be like, okay, we'll get food in. Yeah, we may not be eating. I didn't snack on There is a concession and seating over there. Is there? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I have water. and food are down there? I have water in my backpack. Okay. Uh, food is definitely down there. I can't see any signs for bathrooms. There are two door, double doors there that may lead to, who knows, <laughs> they lead to a back alley that's good enough. Yeah. And I'm seeing this sign right over there that says, please, no air horns permitted in the building, and I am very close to violating it. I don't think I have an air horn app on this thing. Uh, that's all right. I can shriek. 
So let me get this straight. Even at the bottom of the stairs, there are people waiting to get in? Yes, yes there are 50 people. Son of a motherless goat. I brought knitting. I didn't bring reading. Yeah, yeah we could just whip out the knitting. Yeah, that's what some people have done. I think a mutiny is, start, is almost starting. Yeah, a mutiny is damn near starting. This is going to be on the news. My parents are going to have to bail me out of jail. I'm going to call my husband, There's honey. Riot today. Yeah. Management of the auditorium were found <laughs> hanging from the rafters in cheap acrylic. Because you know we wouldn't do that to real yard. Where would we find cheap acrylic See, here? At the winery. Michael's, if something like this happened, you just get glasses in their hands and start pouring. And it tends to make everything okay. So yes, wine does. It should be handing out yarn and needles. No kidding. Okay. Well, we'll let you know if we when if we get in. When we get in, okay? <laughs> Everybody, right now, start making bets how long this is going to take. So, yeah. <laughs> that happened. Yeah. And then, you know, we did get, we, you know, went around and looked at all the stuff, and there was lots and lots of yarn, lots and lots of wonderful yarny goodness. And we met people who have listened to the show. Yay! Some of whom I have been talking to on Twitter <laughs> for quite a while. I have since spoken to my uncle's a retired fire chief. Yep. And he said that separating it up into the extra ballrooms the way that it was done before mm-hmm. is the reason why they were just allowed to yeah. move more freely. Now, since then, I should mention, there is there was a fair bit of discussion on certain Ravelry threats. Yeah. In the Ontario Fiber Shows and Festivals group, there was a thread for the Knitter's Fair where people were talking about it leading up to it and then were talking about it afterward. And yeah, apparently there were some people who were in line in the morning for like an hour, more than an hour. Ouch. There were certain people, there was someone who, yeah, there, there were some people when they left, you know, people were asking them, were, were they leaving or were they just going out for lunch yeah. or whatever? Because they said that if they wanted to go back in, it would be about an hour before they could. So, yeah. But one of the things was there was a, a volunteer and a guild member who posted on the thread with some explanations. And she also links over to thread in the Waterloo and Waterloo and Wellington Ravelers thread for it. The title of the thread is The Knitter's Fair is Today! You know, starting at about post 59, there's a few others scattered through there of, like, reasons. And, I mean, part of it, they said part of the, the reason for the, the move of locations was there were behind-the-scenes sort of issues. Okay. And issues with the Bingham's administration. Okay. So, which sort of precludes... Or makes it not as likely to have to it again. Go back. Um, also, because there are certain aspects of it which do work better, or you know, they can have they do have parking which is closer, yes, and which is easier to get to, which is especially important considering the age range of knitters. And there's a lot that you know may not have you know little handicap tag, but still may still can't you know hike up the hill right to Bingham's at Bingham's and stuff. If from what people were saying, I thought. It sounded like at some point, maybe like just after we got in or around the time we were getting in, like the fire marshal was actually there and then was able to see like how many people were, how the, the space was in the in the arena. So was able to let more people in, like increase the capacity. So like the number that we heard that we mentioned might not be the total that they allowed later on. And they did mention with the concessions that this year, the contract between 
the Kitchener Auditorium and its food vendor was up for negotiation until, like, two weeks before the fair. They do acknowledge so. that this year did leave something to be desired. Yeah. Which, there was just no way around it. There were three yeah. tables for a couple hundred people. They did say, like, they weren't even sure until, like, a week or two before the fair who the service, who the food vendor was going to be, because they were renegotiating. Which so doesn't give them a lot of time to arrange things. And by about, you know, by when we left at one o'clock, there was no lineup. They were still asking if we were leaving. Yeah. Just to be, to clarify. Yeah, probably just to clarify on how many people were leaving and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's like, there, like I said, there are posts from volunteers from the guild and stuff like that. And they are very aware. And even on the day of it, it seemed like they were very aware that there were some large issues that they will have to address for next year. Mm Mm-hmm. And that this is a learning experience for everyone, and that it was something they were definitely aware of and working on. So if you did go, or if you didn't go this year, but you've heard about, or you might have, you know, want to know how things went this year. Again, like I said, look at the Waterloo and Wellington Ravelers thread, or the Ontario Fiber Festivals thread for the 2013 Knitters Fair. And you can sort of see people's experiences, and... Judge for yourself. And how it looks like they're going to be fixing things for next year. Because for next year, too, like, now they know how things will work. They can give better, like, one of the volunteers said, you know, they can give better information to the volunteers, have more clear idea of who needs to be where when, that sort of thing. So hopefully next year will be better, because, wow, this year it wasn't quite so good. But that didn't quite stop us from shopping. No? What did you get? I got... Okay, so first... The, not boring one, but, you know, less colorful and stuff than the stuff I got, other stuff I got. I got some Shellridge Farm Soft Touch Ultra. It's 100% wool. It's a sock weight. And it's pretty much a solid. There might be a little bit of variegation in there, or a little bit of sort of tonality. Yep. But it's pretty much a solid. And I got it in sort of like a medium gray, because I'm thinking that can go with a number of different colors of yarn I already have in my stash. Right. For a stripey shawl. I was going to ask if you, had, uh, if you had plans for it. Yep. I kind of wanted to get a color that, you know, that sort of color so that when I want to do a stripey shawl, whatever color, other color I pick. Because that will, could, it will could look good with a nice deep red. It could look like a nice blue with a purple with a teal. It'll nicely go with a lot of things. Speaking of teal. People, you have to imagine what it was to go around with her. Teal just kept jumping into her bosom. Yep. Pretty much. I also got, uh, from Waterloo Wools, I got some of their their Huron fingering weight yarn, which is a lovely, tightly twisted, superwash merino yarn. And it's in the Casual Fridays colorway, which is all bluesy, greeny, tealy wonderfulness. It's the deep colors of a lagoon. Yep. It's even muted over here and vibrant over here. Mm-hmm. Very lovely. It's so pretty. And that will likely become, I mean, it might, well, I'm not sure. It might become some very nice socks. It might become a very nice shawl. It kind of depends what I want to do with it. It might just be a cuddle toy for nighttime. Yeah, maybe. Snuggle up to it. And then finally, I got Bright Yarn. It's by uh, Studio Lou. It's the Bootsy Lou. B-O-O-T-S-I-E hyphen L-O-O. And Studio Lou is Studio L-O-O. And it's an 80-20 merino nylon fingering. And it's called, it's in the Astro Pop colorway. And it is bright pink and bright turquoise. This kind of has Katy Perry and Candyland written all over it. Yeah. Yeah. If you see in a Katy Perry video, like the one, the one where she has the fireworks coming out of her boobs, I'm trying to remember what one that is. (laughs) 
I was thinking, I was thinking it is of, very candy colored. Yeah, I was thinking of the one she does with Snoop Dogg, where she's in a Candyland game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's just a little bit of white in it too, so it's nice and colorful. And it's gonna be pretty, and it's gonna be bright. I'm gonna make. I'm probably. I'm gonna use it for socks. I don't usually use colors quite that wacky for like shawls or something. Plus, it's more variegated, so it'll be better suited to maybe socks or something. Two socks. But yes, those were my acquisitions. There was so much other stuff that was really pretty. There were two dyers that were at uh, one store, Creative Yarns, I think it was, from Scarborough. And there were two that I hadn't really seen before, and I really kind of wanted some of it. But I decided, no, put it away. I did take pictures of the labels, so I have the names. Okay. And I think I will save them for a future Cravings, Covets, and Crushes. Okay. So what did you get? I did go and get my Nitty Naughty from mm-hmm. Gemini Fibers. And unfortunately, that's pretty much it. I did not Aww. get any rope. Yeah, oh, muffin. Muffin. I know. I went and looked at Wellington for roving that would match or at least inspire me somehow. Mm-hmm. I will admit I was probably wearing cranky pants by the time we got in. Yeah. But, you know, I did get my Nitty Naughty, and mm-hmm. I did look you around. You do have yarn. I do have yarn, <laughs> and I do have roving, and I do have the opportunity to go and buy roving. Mm-hmm. So, I'm okay. I'm okay. Just because I did not walk out with... A bag of stuff. A bag of stuff does not mean anything. Plus, remember what saved the day? What salvaged the entire day? Oh, yes. Uh, we were traveling with the illustrious Michelle. I feel like that's her official nickname Yeah, now. it is her official uh, nickname now. We should get her a t-shirt. And she had a fleece that she'd bought a couple years ago from a shepherd in Pennsylvania, I think, who, who right. raises this one kind of sheep called a California Variegated Mutant. That's right. I believe we mentioned it on here before, because I think we, we were called naming, it the X-Men sheep. Right, because we were naming them all after X-Men. Yeah. So she had this fleece. And one of our other Knit Night friends, Carrie, had taken her, a fleece of hers to a mill not far from, sort of in between Kitchener and Hamilton, called the Freelton Fiber Mill. It's F-R-E-E-L-T-O-N. And that's fiber, F-I-B-R-E. Because we are in Canada, bitches. <laughs> Basically, so she, what she was going to do is she arranged to drop off her fleece at this mill so it could get processed and she could get roving from it that right. she's planning to spin. There are people who can process the fleece. You can wash it, cart it, and do everything to it yourself. However, sometimes life gets in the way. Yeah. Sometimes you have a particularly difficult fleece. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it just helps to have, you know, professional with, like, really good, like, cleaning agents and stuff to get all the lanolin out. Because yeah. Michelle, I think, had originally planned to do it all herself, but... She couldn't quite get enough lanolin out that it wasn't still sticking. Cause, yeah. By the way, if anybody who's new to it doesn't understand what that means, well, this is why sheep don't shrink in the rain. It's because their body produces a greasy, waxy substance called lanolin that yep. coats their fleece. You sometimes find it in hand creams because it's moisturizing and helps keep you know the skin's natural moisture in. So all of that has to be washed out of the fleece before it becomes puffy and fluffy. Yeah. Or it basically is just a big hunk of sort of stickiness. So we all went to, so we just stopped off at the mill on the way home. And, oh my god, you guys, we got to see alpacas. <laughs> she has alpacas and they're adorable. Okay, to put this prop in proper time sequence, we met the dogs first. Yes. Because they came out to greet us as soon yes. as we got out of the car. So we met Uta next. Who owns the... Who owns the mill and the farm. Mm-hmm. 
And she showed us all of the machines involved. Yeah, and it sort of went through the process step by step. And we got to feel like even alpaca seconds, which I learned meant that it was from the legs and it wasn't like like the prime fleece from the back and stuff like that. It was from the legs and extra bits. This was the second choice stuff and it was still like a ball of hemp. It was fluffy and it was silky and it was like, so wonderful. And then, you know, she shows us everything and then she says, do you want to see my babies? And I'm thinking... What? Animals? Yes, please. And we go straight from that room through a back door, so to speak, and then it's sort of like necks and fluff and big anime eyes, as far as you can see, (laughs) down this barn. But she did warn us, these are farm animals, you don't pet. Yeah, they're and not I, domestic. At that animals. point, I stuck my hands in my pockets. Yep, <laughs> because I, you just keep having the want to reach out and touch them, and I'm like, no, because they're fluffy. They're they're fluffy and beautiful, and like you said, and there they was had, a little baby one. There was a pure white little bitty baby one that was, I will admit, really damn adorable. Yeah, she had them. They were all different colors too. Like some that was like very dark gray, and some that were brown and white and green. One and one looked like it couldn't make a decision what color it was. Yeah, and what I love is that the sheep. That has a, has basically become a part of the alpaca herd. She has a sheep that has an identity crisis. Oh my god, yes, that sweet little sheep. Oh my god, it was so adorable. It's not little. It overeats because it lives with the alpacas <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and believes it is an alpaca. But it was so cute. It was cute. It was cute. a little black nose and it's a little white, curly, fluffy fleece. And it was so cute. Oh boy. It was adorable. So we got to see that. We got to meet the llama, too. Yeah, and then basically we turned around. Her and guard I'm like, llama. And I'm like, oh, Cusco. <laughs> <laughs> Holy seven feet tall, Batman. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a guard llama. Yeah, she uses the llama pretty much to guard all of the other animals and whatever else is on the... Yeah, because the, the llama will scare off coyotes. The llama has an arrogant attitude and is yeah. unafraid. Yeah. And looking at it, I was like, yeah, I can see that. I would not go up against a llama. Thank nope. you very much. But yes, we got to see the animals. So we did get to see the animals. And we got to learn about how this was all made. And mm-hmm. oh, wow, Batman, this was so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. By the way, if anybody is thinking of going to find this mill, you might want to call ahead of time because she has... Certain scheduling times. Yeah, she goes to like she goes to um, local like farmers markets and stuff. So obviously, you definitely want to call ahead of time. And mm-hmm. at the end of her driveway, right near the road, is where a gate is. Yeah, she's she has on- a gate. So she's she only can... receiving people if the gate is open. And then it's a little bit kind of creepy going down this this driveway with all of this forest foliage on each side. That I yeah. will admit, if it was. In the evening with mist going on, it would be (laughs) totally sleepy hollow. Yeah, it would be a total horror movie. But yeah, so if you're in the area, you can find her website at freeltonfibermill.ca. That's F-R-E-E-L-T-O-N-F-I-B-R-E-M-I-L-L.ca. Or, like, you can also search for, for our many, many listeners that are not in the area, you can search on Google or other places for mills in your area if you have like if you have a if you're a spinner or a knitter and you want to get a fleece and you don't want to do it yourself you can find mills where they will prep it for you and usually if they have a website they'll have their price list on here like Uta has her price list here for like every step of the process and how much it 
costs per yeah. pound. And they'll even spin it into, some of them will even spin it into yarn for you. And there's some, you know, there's some local mills where they have their own flocks or they'll buy, you know, they arrange to buy fleece from farmers in the area. So they'll even spin their own yarns at those cells. So you should take a look and see if you can find a place in your area and see if they're selling like local yarn. Because then you're supporting local companies and local people. Yeah, local and, you know, local mills and local farmers. But yeah, so what have you been working on? Well, I finished my Lush, obviously, except to the point... Yes, what you're wearing right now. Except for buttons. Yeah. I just didn't see any at the fair that really caught my eye. Yeah. That I really wanted. But it functions very well without buttons until I find the right ones. Yep. So other than that, this is the third time I've had to cast on this cowl. This is a cowl for my husband. Pretty simple. It's going to be one by one rib uh, for about ten rows. And then I think it becomes a four by two rib or something like that for about six inches. And then it goes back to being a one by one rib. And done. And this is one of my hand spuns. This is the Jamaican Storm hand spun that I did myself. And I do love my husband because he said he would be very proud to wear it, even though it is some of my early stuff. And it's occasionally a little bit thick and thin, but... It'll look nice and rustic and cozy. So that's what I'm working on. I am probably going to start spinning my stuff for the Radagast mittens. Mm-hmm. Now, um... Oh, yeah. I should yeah. discuss my project. Yes, you should discuss your project because... Yeah. Okay, do you have anything else that you No, no, on? no. Okay. Yes, so I haven't mentioned exactly what I'm doing for my Hobbit along because I've been waiting and I wanted to be sure and see if I get the yarn I wanted and, you know, a few other things. And also because it's it's crazy, so I decided to make it a bit of a secret. We all and know by the that time you hear this, I will have by the time you hear this, I will have put up the thread. I'm probably going to do it on the 22nd because that's Bilbo and Frodo's birthday. Because I was listening, I was recently listening to the podcast from last year when we started the Hobbit along, and that's when we started it. So okay. I'm like, what the heck? I might as well do it. Um, it's also the re- the day that the Hobbit was released. By the way, if anybody is drinking right now, uh, coffee, tea, or alcohol, please stop because you're going to start snorting it through your nose soon. Yeah, put it down before you search for this pattern that I'm about to name in a second. That'll take me a minute to get it out. So, this year, I was like months and months and months ago, I was looking around on Ravelry, and I forget exactly how I found it. I might have just been looking through this designer's stuff because this is... What I'm planning to do is something by designed by Anna Dalvey of Knit and Nag. That's K-N-A-G. Designs. She did the... Oh, it was the shawls inspired by Oh, Egypt. the Egyptian... Egyptian gods and... The Ancient Egypt in Lace and Color book that we had mentioned before that are gorgeous. And I've done her Mystic Light shawl. And she has gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Like, oh my god, I love it. So, I found... Alright, everybody at the moment, look through the shawls and now place your bets. (laughs) Yeah, go look up Anna Delvey. A-N-N-A-D-A-L-V-I. Two words. Anna Delvey. And I will mention... I have actually looked up how to pronounce this. Okay, go for it. I have seen videos of people actually pronouncing this, so I'm going to do my best. Okay, go for it. There are some little linguistic things that I know I'm not going to get. It's the Aya Fiatla Yokel Shell. Wow, way to go. I can never find I I never try and find it by typing the name, because I am not Icelandic, so I never remember how it's spelled. And basically, that is the name of the volcano... That exploded a few years ago and pretty much halted air traffic in Europe for yeah. like four weeks. That was in Iceland. Yeah. So, 
I happen to be looking through, I think I actually found it through the yarn. Because the yarn I'm using is Twisted Fiber Arts, mm-hmm. Ariel, which is their fingering weight, mm-hmm. in the ember color way. This is the yarn I mentioned that, like, months and months ago, when I thought, okay, I found that I have the money for it. And I'd been checking to make sure it was still there. And then, like, one week I checked and it was still there. The next week I was like, hey, you know, I have the money right now. I should buy it. And it wasn't there because they had used up the dye. Okay. And, like, last week. It came back. It came back. I got an email from Karen and I think I saw, like, a sonic rip boom going across the horizon. Yep. Yeah, I believe it was in all caps. Yes, it was. I I believe I included the phrase, I am going to order this so fast it might break Break the the internet. internet. Yes. So, yes. So the shawl is a circular shawl with these sort of like, almost like flamey, petally shapes. And it is super gorgeous. And it will go perfectly with the yarn. I'm going to start with the, the yarn goes from like a bright orangey red to red, to, out to black, to like ash gray. Hence the name Ember. Yeah. So I'm going to start with the red in the center and keep going out to the the gray at the edges because I figured this has this is perfect because this hobbit well the hobbit along the hobbit along the desolation of swatch is of course for the hobbit the desolation of smaug right and since it involves a great big dragon inside of a mountain that lives in the heart of a mountain yes I'm sorry could you find anything more perfect yes with (laughs) basically a red curled up dragon right in the middle of that mountain yes the fiery heart yes. inside the mountain. Yes. That's pretty perfect. So, yes. It's still crazy. <laughs> yeah, but this is me we're talking about. This is you we're talking about. Is it more crazy or less crazy than the Lothlorien cape? Picture okay. in your mind the cables on that cape. I No, I'm not downplaying that cape one little bit, considering that you knit it, what, from the bottom up? Yep. This is going to be so awesome. I'll get back to you sometime in November and see how you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I have, like I said, I've ordered the yarn. It's dye on demand, so when I ordered it, they said they were working. It was about three weeks okay. before it shipped. So I just have to wait for them to say it has shipped, and hopefully it'll get here... With reasonable time. Early to mid-October, so that I can start, because, oh dear God. You needs to. Yes. But yeah, it's gorgeous, and I cannot wait, and this is going to be awesome. And so, by the time you hear this, The Hobbit Along will start... Yes. As we've said before, there really aren't any rules. You know, as we said last year, it's like, you know, pick whatever you want to work on. And if you really want to find some way to bullshit it into (laughs) how it fits with the Hobbit, you know, you can be like, oh, I'm doing this in a leafy pattern and elves and stuff. Or I'm doing the diamond pattern, dwarves. I think a Hobbit would wear this. That would (laughs) work. That will work, too. I wore a nice, cozy, warm sweater because Hobbits love cozy Warm, comfortable dwellings. Thanks. Yep. Like, we are not picky. <laughs> no. We are not going to be a rules horse. Yep. And the the general guideline is to finish it for the opening of The Hobbit. I but... wonder if Hiddleston has a Hiddleston horse. You know, like, there's the Cumberbitches and the Pine Nuts. The Hiddle Horse? The Hiddle Horse. <laughs> Just wondering. And they're Hiddle Stoners. That sounds like a rock group. Okay, anyways. But yeah, so, you know... General guideline is to finish it for when The Hobbit opens, but, you know, if you're going to be able to see it a week later, feel free to finish it for the week later. 
It's mainly just sort of a wee preparing stuff for the Hobbit thing. And so we can have that, you know, fun little working, working, working. Yay, I finished it. Now I get to wear it to see the Hobbit sort of thing. Yeah. Um, now, of course, with that on order, I am trying to finish stuff. Okay, what are you finishing? My sweater. And how far are you? I am... This is my Inara sweater. My Allison Green. And I have done the back and the right front. You're going along there. And part of the... Basically what you do is you knit a long strip of the um, the edging pattern. Right. And then at the end you'll sew it onto the back of the, okay. the neck. I can see that. So I basically have to do the left front and two sleeves. You can do it. I can. I'm kind of afraid of the sleeves because sport weight. <laughs> but you've done the really big part. Yeah, the really, really big part. And it does very much look more like a sweater. Yes. Now. And there's not going to be as much sewing up at the end. I had a fair bit of time to work on it the last week because my mother was away. So I had the TV all to myself. So I could watch Doctor Who and work on this. I was going to say, hence the watching the Doctor Who part. Yes, the marathoning the Doctor Who. And sobbing into the the knitting. And at the same time, of course, I had to work a little bit on My Weeping Angel Socks by Mare Martin. M-A-I-R-E-M-A-R-T-I-N. And so far, I've got one sock done. And I have almost pretty much done the leg of the second sock. Now, it's sort of almost finished because what you do basically is... Instead of picking up stitches for a gusset, it's top down, but instead of picking up stitches for a gusset and then decreasing as you do the foot, you increase as you do the heel flap. Mm-hmm. So this whole bit, you knit around the heel flap, the gusset, and then the instep Okay. as you're doing an in, in rounds. That's a little bit different. Yeah. And then when you get to the bottom of the heel flap, you do wrap and turn, or you do not wrap and turn, you do sort of, you know, sort of like the, the heel decreases on a standard heel. Okay. Where you, you know, knit, go to the middle of the, the heel, and then you knit two stitches, knit two together. Yes. Turn your work. Yes. Pearl back, and you gradually get wider. Yes. You just do that on the heel, and then you keep doing that with the gusset, the bottom of the gusset stitches. Okay. And it makes for, like, a like when I pulled the sock out, it's definitely much more straight there isn't as much of a bend mm-hmm. in the foot, so I'm not sure how it'll fit. Have you not tried it on? Well, I have. Okay. But I'm not, like, I've tried it on when I've been sitting down or whatever. I haven't worn the socks while I'm doing stuff. And these have nice geometrical shapes on it that... Yep. Little feathery look shapes. like feathers, yeah. And they're really pretty. I'm doing it in socks that rock lightweight in a mill-end colorway, which Very is nice. like a... Light blue with tiny little bits of light pink and purple and stuff in it. And a little while ago, I had it in my shield project bag. But a little while ago, I'm like, you know, I really need to put this in the Doctor, Doctor Who, Who project bag. Yeah. The starry TARDIS. The one that I shrieked at you about across, yes. you know. Across the news fair. Yeah. And I should also mention, while my mom was in Portland, she bought me yarn. She loves you. So, by the way, hello to anyone who's listening to this who met my mother in Portland, in Portland, Maine, I should say. She went to Portland, Maine, and she bought me yarn. And she told a fair number of people about the podcast. (laughs) So, hello. Hi. (laughs) And what have you got? She got it at a store called Knitwit. Oh my gosh, ironic. (laughs) Which is, you know, part of my Twitter and Tumblr and email. Everything So, really. And it's Swan's Island Natural Colors Fingering Weight. It's super pretty. It's 100% organic merino wool hand-dyed with all-natural dyes. And it's a very light fingering weight, so it's uh, 100 grams, but you get 525 yards per skein. So I am probably going to do a shawl out of this, because I have nice yardage for it. And it's a nice deep purple. Yeah. 
And it's in the lupin colorway. I would call that lupine. Or lupine. It's L-U-P-I-N-E. Okay. I can never remember which way it's pronounced. But, but it's pretty. You're probably thinking of the professor. Yeah. Mm, professor Lupin, hello. Like, oh, honey, I know about turning into a beast once a month. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, let me just get you some... Let me just get you some chocolate and some my doll, damn it. Yeah, and while we're at it, we're going to curl up on the couch, watch chick flicks, and have some ice cream. Yep. Sounds good to me. But yes, it's super pretty. All right, let's move the show along to Geek Squee. Yes. Somebody, we're going to keep it... Somebody's got homework to do. Yeah, keep the Geek Squee fairly short, because oh my god, I have two assignments due this week, oh my god. So, so yes. Do we want to lead with the Harry Potter, because really... Go, go, go. Okay, so... um, Since we're discussing the professor... Yes. Since we're discussing the uh, fabulous professor, there's been some pretty big uh, Harry Potter news that has come out lately. Mainly, that J.K. Rowling is writing a movie set in the Harry Potter universe. So it's not a Harry Potter movie, but it's set in the Potter world. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with Potter himself, or even, you know, his relatives. So it's done... If I remember right, it's done about 70 years before Harry. Yeah, so we're talking 1920s. Woohoo! Roaring 20s. And a part of it, at least, is going to be set in New York. Which should be cool. And it's about Newt Scamander, who wrote, uh, in series, wrote Fabulous Beasts and Where to Find Them. Cool. So we get to explore more of the world. Or fantastic Beasts and Where to Find It. More of the them. world of that Harry got introduced to, but... In a different places, in a different time period. Just think of the mobsters and the flappers and everything. Uh, Throw a bit of magic 20s in. 20s era wizarding world. Oh my god, dude. I want this so bad. Okay. But this sounds actually like it's going to be really cool. And this is going to be J.K. Rowling's first time uh, doing a screenplay. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I'm sure she has people that can help her with the... Oh, yeah. You know, how to write an actual screenplay. Because it is, you know, movies are different than books. They have different story ways of storytelling. But, oh my god! Oh my god! So at that, the Potter world rejoiced. Yeah. Well, and it's like, this is exactly what I would have wanted, is more stuff set in that world. Because I want to know other bits about, you know, how the wizarding world works. And I have had long, long discussions with other people about, like, Okay, how does the Wizarding World work in Canada? Like, how does, you know, how would Canadian history have affected the the growth of the Wizarding World here? And how does, you know, the Wizarding World that emigrated from Britain in, like, you know, the 1800s interact with the Wizarding World, the wizards of, like, the North American native peoples? Like, and how does the, the how do the, that magic system work? And all this other thing, and it ended up being, you know, it's, it's, big discussion-y, like, how, figuring out how this stuff works, because, oh my god, it's awesome and fun to talk about this. Maybe Laura Secord is actually a witch. Oh my god, dude. Oh my god. Oh my god. Just now little, my brain wants to write Just throw that. a little bit of history at a history buff. Okay, my brain is now really happy and you going go for off it. on that time. Go for it. Write, I want to write that fic. Write that fanfic. You do it, girl. <laughs> Anyways. So yes, I cannot, like, I know, you know, the Hollywood Reporter has published, has apparently published a long article about probably behind-the-scenes stuff. And, you know, it is kind of like Warner Brothers did kind of encourage her to do this because to them it's like, hey, we have this super popular franchise. Let's milk more money out of it. But, like, part of me does not care because J.K. Rowling is in, is writing the screenplay and it's going and hopefully it's going to be awesome and it's going to show more of the Wizarding World, which, oh my god, yes! Okay, so before Karen explodes, we're going to move along. So, moving along to... Oh, and last week... We mentioned 
or well, last episode, we mentioned Tom Hiddleston appearing with a certain Sesame Street character. And ovaries exploded everywhere. Yes. Including my own. I've only just sewn them up recently. And this week... We have Peter Dinklage on Sesame Street. Yes! Which is, I think, super cool because I've only just started watching Game of Thrones. Really. <laughs> so if you don't know who this is, Peter Dinklage plays the character... Tyrion Lannister on Game of Thrones, and he is commonly referred to as the Imp or the Dwarf. Mm-hmm. He is pretty much a badass. Yep, I've only seen him in little bits of Game of Thrones because again, I haven't like I haven't watched the whole thing of that. But I have seen him in other movies, and he's a really good actor too. And he's uh, and he's a fairly good singer. Yeah, because he's on Sesame Street singing, <laughs> and you don't get to do that without some singing chops. Yeah, you can find the clip on YouTube. Just put in. Peter Dinklage. Sesame it's Street. D-I-N-K-L-A-G-E. Put that in and Sesame Street and it'll come right up. And he basically sings a song about the game Simon, Simon says, says with a whole bunch of Muppets, which is awesome. Now I kind of want to see Game of Thrones performed by the Muppets because I think oh my God. Miss Piggy would make a fabulous Lady Lan- Lannister. It really wouldn't surprise me if Sesame Street or something had parodied it. Because they do, they do do parodies. I'm going to have to look that up. Okay. They do parodies of even, like, grown-up movies and oh, TV yeah. shows and stuff. Because they know the same kids, yeah. a.k.a. the grown-ups, are watching. Yeah, because they know the grown-ups have to hear it in the background. Okay, if anybody has lost Han Solo, especially the Frozen one, he's shown up in the Lost and Found on Mercury, as in the planet closest to the sun. At sort least, of. Sort of. At least that's what a lot of places are reporting. What they have that's actually the, that's found. That's the headline they're yeah. showing. What they've actually found is a person-shaped rock. Vaguely person-shaped. Okay, well, it has two legs, it has a trunk, it has a little bulb of a head, and it has two sort of amoeba-like arms. Yeah, it is, It is basically, it's a, you know, a, a mountain range or something that, that does look vaguely human-shaped. It does look like the arms are sort of up at, you know, held in, sort of like if you hold your hands in front of you, sort of at shoulder level. Like Han when he's frozen in carbonite. Right. However, bloggers and news crews, it is not Han Solo on Mercury. We know where Harrison Ford is. It's not Mercury. Yes. But it is still pretty cute. Yeah. And I mean, like, NASA was sending around the photo with I, the, the I think headline. It's cool Basically, that, it's a joke. Yeah, I think it's cool that NASA's, NASA's getting into, like, the geek culture to grab geek attention. And NASA NASA's statement says, If there are two things you should remember, it's not to cross a hut and that Mercury's surface can throw up all kinds of surprises. In this image, a portion of the terrain surrounding the northern margin of the Caloris Basin hosts an elevated block in the shape of a certain carbonite-encased smuggler who can make the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. <laughs> I love that. Apparently her nibs on unexplainedmysteries.com said, Nope, can't be. Han was rescued from the carbonite. Yeesh. What kind of geeks are you guys? To which a reader using the name Waspy Dwarf responded, That's what they want you to believe. I can't believe you fell for rebel propaganda. Oh, good lord. And we found this article. This article is from NBC News, you guys, that we're looking at. In their entertainment section, at least. Though, you know, it is kind of science in that, like, hey, here's a cool picture of Mercury. But yes, so before, in case you come across this one, you know, this Twitter headline or something, before you freak out. You have been warned. <laughs> this is laying down the truth here for you. This is not the Han Solo you're looking for. You didn't just do that. I guess I didn't. Oh, and one more thing, and we're probably going to... I think we can dispense with Cravings, Covets, and Crushes this week because okay. we did mention 
We did mention purchasing yarn. at the... Yeah. <laughs> what we're cra- craving, coveting, and crushing on this week? The yarn that I bought at the, <laughs> at the Knitter's Fair. Just one final thing you guys might want to see. Chocolate of the Month Club? What? Oh, I'm sorry. We accidentally... I put in MarySue.com, forgetting it's the Mary Sue, because trying to get back to the Mary Sue. And apparently there's a Mary Sue Candies, and they have a Chocolate of the Month Club. Hi. Nom, 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 nom. That we should mention too, considering we have already discussed this movie and a certain character a few times. Two things, really. One, Sif from Thor has a movie poster from Thor 2. And oh my god, it's badass. She looks badass. Also, yay her for getting a poster. No also, kidding. But also, someone has photoshopped that poster to make her look like Wonder Woman. As in, yo, DC, this is how you make a Wonder Woman movie. Yes. Like, you know, this is how you could dress her. This is how she could look. And Keep seeing the poster from the Wonder... And seeing the Wonder Womanized version, I want that movie. Yes. I would see that movie. If this is how you're going to treat Wonder Woman, I will see that movie. Yeah, and the modifications to the poster were done by uh, Reddit user Gunner 13 So you can all go and thank him. Yes. Or her. Or her. Sorry. Okay, so this bit may sound a little different. There may be certain things that end up sending right here that, that so, for some reason don't match something that was uh, mentioned elsewhere in the episode. The editing might seem a little weird. That's because we're recording this like a few days after the last podcast. So this is a little bit of timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, because basically, we have something to discuss. Yes. And we didn't want to leave it until the next episode. We're just going to put it in the last episode we podcasted. Because I will not be here next week. I will be going bye-bye. And there is no way in hell we could wait three weeks without talking. I don't think so. About Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No, seriously, seriously, people. She was ready to levitate. Yes. You will hear in outtakes certain reactions to the episode. I think everybody was really good in the chat room. They didn't do any really big spoilers. No, actually, I should mention, yeah, we had quite a few people, a few number of people here for the, in the, the little chat room in our Ravelry group for the East, East Coast time. And from what people were saying, I think they were going to keep going there. So if you guys want, if you guys watch the show, if you want to join in, you can make it this week. There will probably, sounds like there will be people there later this week or in later, for later episodes. We should continue and try and get into the chat room. When it's Avengers time, where not Avengers, but Shield time, Agents of Shield time, wherever you are, agents assembled <laughs> in the chat room. Yeah, the only thing is, uh, it's gonna have to not be me the next couple weeks because I'm working until okay. eight o'clock and won't get home to start the episode live. But I will be able to sh- to skip all the commercials. Yay! I might go in depending on how things work out. I might, or what my work schedule is like. I might just watch the West Coast feed. So if you're hanging in there around. Like, 11 o'clock Eastern time? Then I'll be in there. So yes, shall we discuss the first episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Okay, and obviously this is going to be spoilery, so get over it. Yes. Do we want to just do a quick little non-spoilery thoughts? Everybody has had non-spoilery thoughts out on the internet, and they've been exploding with, you know, what ifs. Yeah. Are and there, exploding with glee in are, some cases. Is, is there anything to discuss outside of spoilery stuff? Other than, I love this show, I want to marry it, and okay. I want more? That's no. su- that sums up the, the non-spoilery stuff. <laughs> okay. Spoilery stuff? Spoilery stuff. Well, to get one thing over with. Yeah. Eee! Coulson lives! Yes, he does. It is canon now, bitches. You can't take it back. Don't tempt the Joss. No. I'm sorry, Joss. The episode has aired. It has gone out to the public. It doesn't matter what happens now to the show, though, dear God, hopefully it'll be just... Only thing that happens to the show is it gets, like, eight seasons. What but is a, at this ro- point... What if he's a robot decoy? Don't care. Don't care. 
He's obviously got Golson's brain downloaded into him. <laughs> He's got Colson feels. Then that's being... Mind you, if he was... That's being robotist. That's being racist of a kind, if, I if, guess. If he was a robot, then they wouldn't. people wouldn't be worried about him finding out what really happened. No, I think they would. They would? I think that would still be... See, I'm... See, okay, so the whole thing, we should explain yeah. in case you haven't this seen it of, and you're still listening to the spoilers. What are you listening to? Um, and really, this is something that they, that has leaked long before this. Uh, yeah. Basically, I think we even mentioned it. Basically, you know, after they introduced Coulson with his whole, like, welcome to Age, Age welcome to level seven, he and he's talking about how, like, oh, he was, you know... Whisked off to a grass hut in Tahiti. Yeah. Once it's a magic place. Yes. And he says that twice. He says that The exact times. same phrasing, which is creepy and has people speculating. But after he's talked about it for a little while, he leaves and... Agent Hill and the S.H.I.E.L.D. doctor that's there, played by Ron Glass, a.k.a. Shepard. Shepard Book from Firefly. He says, he doesn't know, does he? And she says, no, No, he can can never never know. know. And she looks kind of sad when she says it, which breaks my heart. And, Because it's like she's keeping, it's not only like she's got this secret, it's like, oh, she's keeping the secret from someone she really, she's friends with. And it's really hard. And the, the... There are entire websites devoted just to the speculation mm-hmm. of how he came back. So, I mean, a lot of people are speculating or thinking that he's some sort of life model decoy or something that they've basically just downloaded Coulson's brain into. My theory is that S.H.I.E.L.D. had to make a dirty deal with somebody with a lot of power, mm-hmm. not of this earth. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. Maybe. I've kind of been thinking of along the LMD robot clone sort of thing because I can see that's something that they wouldn't want him to know because that would be that would, that would be really break, hard for someone to to find out that they're a robot. Yeah, that's that's an existential question. That would hurt the Coulson. Yeah, it would. And that would also kind of explain why Hill looks kind of hurt at the saying he can never know. But okay, let's not get obviously sad. this let's is going to be sad. something. This is going to be something that. Whedon is going to drag out. Well, yeah. Over the entire season or more than. But he's good at that. Yes, because he's evil. He's going to drop us a really big fat clue in the last episode. Yeah. Of this season. And then cliffhanger. Yeah. And then everybody will go absolutely mouth-frothingly erratic. Yeah. Just so Tumblr can explode over the summer months during the hiatus. But yes, so... First of all, we get to see secret superhero. Yes, we do. Yes. Mike Peterson. You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, we get to see the, the superhero for this episode, Mike Peterson, who's sort of down on his luck. Um, good guy. Single dad. Good, good guy. Bad he's, breaks. Yeah. And just a sec. through a series of events, you see that he has powers. Yeah. What? Like being able to go into, like being able to, to jam his hands into break bricks to create handholds. Right. To climb up a building and then jump out of a burning building like four stories tall. Which everybody has seen in the previews by now. Then and we get introduced to Mr. Tough Guy. Yes, Mr. Tough Guy. Agent Grant Ward. I gotta admit, the tech, the tech stuff they were using in that yes. part was pretty cool. That that silver tray? Yeah. That he He's got that... First he had that, that cloth that he was able to just pick up the guy's glass and roll it along the cloth and it pulls off the fingerprints. Right. And then he's got the silver tray that turns into an x-ray machine. Right. And then, of course, it's just a, you know, frisbee of death. And, and an awesome I, fight scene. And an awesome fight scene where, cool enough, the blonde of the house comes in, sees the fight scene, rolls her eyes, walks away, <laughs> comes back fully dressed with her car keys and just keeps walking. Yeah, she just gives a sort of, like, sigh. 
not this again, walk out. And that was actually filmed in Paris. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, I love how, even though he's very, he's very tough and even though they show him like not getting humor and stuff later and he's, people have called him bland, but I think he's supposed to be very sort of He's supposed to be that way. And, you know, not very human at this point. Because let's face it, not there are still moments of humor in that bit. There appear to be hostiles coming to your location. Really? Really? You don't say. <laughs> As he gets thrown over the back Wait of the couch. Out. Then, of course, he has his debriefing with Agent Hill mm-hmm. and ultima- ultimately Coulson. And I think Supernovas just went off. Oh god. Everywhere, yes. all over the hemisphere. Everybody that was watching in our time zone. I've been grinning like a maniac every, every time I think about it. Ever e- since everybody that. has. Every time they think of Coulson or the show, everybody just starts grinning like a little, yes. like a maniac. Like a kid that has done something and can't wait for it to be found. We also get introduced to Sky. Yes. So Sky is a computer hacker who lives in her van. So that yeah. she can be as off the grid, off mobile. the grid as possible, and she's the one that tries to help Mike Peterson avoid Shield. Yeah, and I really like how they played that their interaction because she's very she's fangirly, but not in a not in a simply girly sort of way. Like she's a, very much a fan, and she's like, "This is so cool!" <laughs> While trying to be professional, but it's not like it's not really playing up like it's playing more like stereotypical fan rather than stereotypical fan. Well, girl. it's and she also has one of the really cool lines: "With great power comes a lot of weird crap you are not prepared for." Exactly. <laughs> People, we're going to start a drinking game here, okay? Every time another genre is referenced, take a drink. You'll be drunk really fast, which is one of the reasons I love it. So... I think we get to see another badass woman out right after this. May. Melinda May. Yeah, she's not exactly cuddly. No, not really. You get the feeling like the way she and Coulson talk, because Coulson goes to see her about joining the team, and she's like, uh, no, I'm a paper pusher now, thank you very much, I'm not in the field. And he's like, you know, you want to, plus I just want you to, I just want you to fly the plane, really, really. He says drive the bus. Yeah, well, it's not a bus. She's like, yeah, right. But the way they talk, you get the feeling that they've known each other for a long time. And I love at the end, really, you're just asking me to drive the bus? I'm not asking. And it's a really nice bus. <laughs> and that's when we get the reveal. And um, and the big black plane. And I'm like, dude, that was not my school bus. <laughs> that is cool. And that's when we get to see Fitzsimmons. And I wonder if Tony Stark had anything to do with it. Well, mm, that may show up later. Unknowing, because Coulson says when he gets when he's introducing Ward on it, he says they used them a lot in like the '90s. But he says, but that was before we got a helicarrier. So. Stark would have wouldn't have known who he was working for because he didn't know who Shield was at that time. True. Then we meet at least Tony Stark, Howard Stark, maybe. Then we meet the geek pair. Yes. The biochem, yes. And the techie engineer Fitz and, and Simmons. Simmons. And I would suggest that if you that you have closed captioning on, put it on because they're like and they both have accents which are adorable. Oh, hello. But they tend to rattle off really fast. And actually, hint, if you are listening to this and you haven't seen the show yet, you have to pay attention during this initial scene, their initial little bantery at each other, because there's important information in that. I've seen people getting confused about later events, and it's like, it's right there, people. I love them. And I know a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people saying that they really like their relationship, and they hope those two never actually get involved. Because that would so totally destroy stuff. Yeah, because they're so perfect as, like, a male-female Unit working, yeah, really. They are like familial. They are like brother, sister, yeah. brother, sister, born of the same womb. 
Yeah. Of, they finish of, each other's sentences. Of geeky stuff. They're like one brain in two parts. Until Coulson arrives with Lola. Oh, yes. Lola. By the way, if you have seen Captain America, you might have seen the early prototypes of Lola. Yes. As in the World Fair that the boys go to at the beginning of the movie. Yep. And I find it amusing, too, that Fitz... I'm trying, I have to think for a second which one is which. Fitz mentioned something about Coulson liking to collect old shield. One of his old shield collectibles. And one thing I love about this scene is this one. This is when we get the big walkthrough of the bus. Yep, that's true. And one thing, someone had noticed that, had said something about like, yeah, no, the, the interior, the cargo hold of the bus looks nothing like the car hold, cargo hold of, this, of Serenity. Nope, not at all. Insert sarcasm quotes here. Yeah. But, like, seeing that, all of a sudden I realized, oh my god, the bus is like Serenity. It <laughs> is. These characters are all going to be living there. It is Firefly 2.0. They have their little, they have a little working area. They have, you can see there's a little kitchen, a little dining area. There is one point later in the episode where you see them, like, three of them just sort of standing around the kitchen table with, like, Chinese takeout yep. on there. And they're just sort of eating. Okay, seriously, for the drinking game. In their civvies. If anybody mentions shiny, oh my god, you take three drinks. If there are any Firefly references, take three drinks. Unless you have a shot glass and a heavier piece of alcohol, and then you take a shot. Yeah. And then they sort of grab Sky, and yes. Which is another one of those bits you've seen in the promos with, you know, her doing her her fancy like voiceover because she's right. a member. She's a member of a group called Rising Tide that is exposing Shield. The Rising way Tide. they talk about her, they make it sound like there's other people involved. But I don't know if she's leading it or something. Something to think about. Yeah. And it, might, it might be something that if I watch the episode yet again. So anyways, figure out. key yeah. moment of this interrogation is a classic Coulson. Yes. And a classic Whedon switcheroo. Yes. Because she's not giving them anything that they want. Yeah. So Coulson goes and drags out like this, you know, fancy little gun. Everyone's been calling it the noisy cricket from Men in Black. Nice. Because it's so small. And he's all talking about, like, you know, this fancy truth serum, and it's the latest one. And you can see her going, oh, my God, getting more and more worried. And then, you know, Ward is doing his posturing, like, being all smart. And Coulson jabs him with it. He's like, okay, you don't trust us. Get what you want, whatever you want out of him. You have an hour. <laughs> Bye. And, and oh, one then... thing I, but, oh, one other thing that someone mentioned that I love. You know, she's just sort of sitting there, like, trying not to, you know, being snarky at them and trying not to give up any information. And then when he gets stabbed with the thing, I think she asks I think she asks him if that hurts. I think she or Colson. No, Colson asks Coulson him. asks him, does that hurt? And at first he says no, and then he says, and yes, it hurts. But I try and cover it up because in front of a beautiful, beautiful woman, woman. So I look more masculine. more masculine. And her eyebrows go up into her hairline at that point. And it's kind of interesting that then once he's said that and Coulson leaves, that's when she pulls off yeah. her jacket yeah, and sort of leans over. She's totally, she's totally working it. Yeah. But she doesn't, the interesting thing is she only does it because he says that. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even try, she doesn't try that with Mike. She doesn't try anything like that beforehand, which is a nice little touch, I think. Okay. So from there, we discover that Mike Peterson has some technology imbued mm-hmm. into him. It's basically an, an IV mm-hmm. on his skin, and it looks like a centipede. It's obviously yeah. part of something called the Centipede Project that Sky had referenced in her interrogation while taunting people. Yeah. And obviously Mike is being is hard up on cash, and he's being evicted from his house. He tries to get the doctor's cooperation to go public with it mm-hmm. in the hopes of generating some income for himself. And the really interesting bit is 
while this is happening, they're doing all sorts of, you know, trying to reconstruct the, the area of this explosion and stuff like that. Yes. We didn't even mention that they're in the... That's true. That's the secret true. lab. That's true. All the, the, the little the little bots. Oh, we forgot <laughs> about that. Named after the seven dwarves. Yes, that was so cute. So, cute. so they go to interrogate, they go to investigate the scene where the explosion happened at the beginning. And out of the two girls and the one guy, who's the one that's icky about touching gross things? <laughs> It's the, the guy. guy. The girls are like, whatever. One of them's like, whatever. The other one's like, ooh, fascinating. I must inspect this further. And Melinda May says, if you're going to work in the field, you're going to have to get your hands dirty. And he goes, no, I don't. Now, but. And at that point, he opens up the briefcase and starts pushing buttons on, you know, one of those, a handheld something or other. Seven little spaceships come <laughs> up and just start going everywhere. And scanning things. They're sort of reconstructing things the crime in the lab. Scene. Right. And they realize it happened because someone else who was there, who also had the centipede thing, kind of got a little too angry and... and went splody. And went splody. And it turned out the guy went splody because... Hello, Iron Man 3, please recall your plot. <laughs> yes, he had, he was part, or he was part of what looks like a second attempt at extremis. I think it was mainly, and in this case it's the similar, it's similar too. It's not so much, it's not always the, it's not quite like Hulk, where you have to stay calm. It's more like it is unstable. Getting angry will not help, and it will make you more likely to go splody, but you will eventually go splody because it's just not stable. And so of course now they're like, oh crap, we need to find this guy. Yeah, because he's a ticking bomb. Yeah. It's not, even if he was asleep, he yeah. is still a ticking bomb. And nice, another nice little reference when uh, Simmons is looking through is looking through the goo, testing the goo that came out of the, the centipede thing they found in the lab. She found that there was bits of exposure to gamma radiation. Yes. And bits of the serum created by Dr. Erskine. Yes. To create Super soldiers. From back in the 40s, if you remember. But yeah, so it's basically like, take three or four different creation of superhero things from the Marvel Universe, dump them in a blender. And then inject them into somebody. And you're like, you know, wheel of fortune. One of these has got to work. Except all of them sort of together are unstable. At that point, Mike Peterson takes Sky up on her offer of help. Yes. And pretty much forcefully says, you're driving, let's go now. And it's kind of instinct too. There's there's a lot of sort of friction, especially between her and Ward. Ward at this point is like, she's still just a hacker. We can't trust her, etc., etc. But she's all like, oh yeah, I'll totally do this for you guys. See ya. And she's starting to come to trust them more, especially like when the, the main big, you know, action set piece, she's trying to tell Mike that they can help. And he's like, since when are you on their side? Right. Because as she is de- doing, as he's asking and deleting his identity. identity from databases, she is sending longitude and latitude coordinates yeah. to Shields to tell them where <laughs> they are. Yeah. By hacking Shield. Again. By hacking Shield. Hello from a van. <laughs> and... You know, you really got to crap your pants when you're sitting inside of a van at the airport or at the train station. Yeah. And somebody says on a megaphone on the other side of the van wall, Hello, Mm -hmm. Mr. Peterson, we're not a threat. (laughs) And at that point, about five seconds of silence, and then the van wall comes off. Yeah. The door door just flies flies out. Which is another point where people are sort of saying, like, okay, I don't think Coulson's entirely human anymore. Because you saw him dip. Ducks. Actually, he he sort of bends backwards. Yeah. It's like he's doing the limbo. Yeah. As the door comes flying at his face. Because holy reflexes and flexibility, Batman. Yeah. 
Even Ward just hit the ground. Yeah. So thus... So yeah, big action set piece in Union Station. Thus ensues lots of action. There are people, you know, Mike earlier had gone to... He'd gone to see the woman that he'd rescued from the lab blow up. Twist! Yeah. She's actually the person in charge of the experiment. And is upset that he has exposed said experiment. Now figures that he needs to be eliminated. So we have multiple... Parties going on here. Yes. And meanwhile, like, Fitz and Simmons are working frantically trying to because find Coulson a way to has, fix this. Because Coulson has told them there is no other option. You are going to figure out a solution. Especially, like, and I love the way he phrases it specifically. Let's try and think of a third option that won't involve Peterson's child losing his father. Right. Aw, Coulson. But it's kind of, you know, we have all this action, 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 but it really ends with that moment of Coulson and Peterson being able to talk. Yeah. And Peterson just being able to, you know, get all his frustration his angst out, out at the man. And also about, you know, he mentions and something that looks like it would be really interesting for the show to pursue is like, how do normal people go about life in this universe with superheroes? You know, sort of basically makes the point that like, with superheroes around, the reg- normal people are, I think, nobody. Yeah. And oh, what is that line? Coulson has a really good line. He talks about giants. Yeah, well, he has that one. He has the one where he says, you know, I've seen giants. Up close. The privilege, up close, and the privilege right. cost me, almost, nearly cost me everything. But he also has a line about, basically basically a line to the effect of, like, everybody matters. Aww. Yay! Hope! And, and interesting, right. like, sociological discussion and issues discussion in my Happy Fun Show. And right in the middle of that quiet moment... Oh my god, we all freaked out for a second. Because all of a sudden you just see him, like, this get hit in the head, and we're like, oh, what? No! But then you realize... The Geek Twins are there, and Fitz runs up to check his vitals, and she starts to relax and Simmons. to smile. Sorry, I keep mixing them up! Yeah, I know. It doesn't help that when they in- when they introduce them, when he's... That Ward walks up and he sees two of them and he says Fitzsimmons and one of them points to the other one and says Fitz and the other one points to the other one and says Simmons. So they're not even saying their own name. Oh, bugger. <laughs> and you can actually, I noticed today when I was rewatching it again, I don't know. Actually, I noticed it on standard definition. I don't know if I noticed it on, on the high def when we were watching it, but maybe it was just because I was, you know, trying to be in the chat room and stuff. You can actually see when she's leaning over him, you can actually see on his cheeks where he'd been glowing red, starting to glow red with the extremist stuff earlier. You, I think you can actually see sort of a blue cast to it. So it's like, the obviously, the extremist is heating him up. This one's cooling, cooling him down. down. Yeah. At the end, we do see that Ace is with a family out in the country, mm-hmm. and he's just being told that his dad is getting ready to come home. Mm-hmm. This is where Colson and Skye get into Lola, and basically Colson's like, so... What about the offer? Yada, yada, yada. And he gets a phone call that says we have an 084. Basically, Coulson says to this guy, you have... Here's our next mission. Here's our next mission. You've got 10 minutes to figure out if you want to be in on it. And she's like, you can't possibly get back to there in 10 minutes. And hello, Howard Stark technology. (laughs) Yes, because the rims and the wheels change and the wheels fold down and start blowing... Air like up. Exhaust. So it to is. Levitate the car. It it's is like, a oh helicarrier God, a, car. <laughs> it is a levitating rocket car. And it is hot. Yeah. It it's is really nice. It's a nice car. It's a really nice car. So that was S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. And I mean, I've seen a few people talking about how, like, some of the characters aren't well defined or whatever, but it's the pilot. It's, yeah, it's the pilot. It's the beginning. Yeah. There's a, bit, a few if bits that are a bit clunky, and- but they, I mean, they have to introduce all these different characters. And if they try and do it too forcefully, people yeah. are going to reject it. Yeah. 
I mean, and they have to introduce, like, five new characters, reintroduce one character, and sort of give hints at why he's not dead. And, you know, sort of introduce the plot and what they're planning to do and locations and sort of, you know... It's kind of like the Avengers. That one took that one. There's a certain amount of the movie that has to take place to get everyone together and working as a team. Right. And I think once the and I mean and most plot most pilots are usually kind of clunky anyway. I've seen pilots where it's like where I've started watching a show later on and sort of gotten and the characters are very consistent and stuff and I've gone back and watched the pilot and like <laughs> who are you and what did you do with character because that is so not that. They're completely different. I can't wait for the next episode. And basically, we after you know after the episode, we all just looked at each other and we're like, "I need a cigarette." Yeah, I don't. And is it Tuesday yet? Yeah. And newbie was completely unimpressed that um, it was only a one hour. Episode. Yeah. She was like, "But I want more. I want it right now." I can't. And he, she still maintained even when I dropped her off. No, I'm not going to watch anymore. I'm going to wait a whole season and watch it all at one point. And I'm going to do the same thing with Sherlock. At least with that, it's only three weeks. It, yeah, but I just sort of looked at her. And she's like, no, there won't be any spoilers. No. And I'm like, you live in a strange little world. <laughs> and I am not going to step around eggshells for that. Because yeah. with S.H.I.E.L.D., she's going to have to wait till May. Whatevs. <laughs> to not watch gonna, it. Are not you nuts? Happen. I need to watch it. I need it now. And we're going to talk about it at midnight. Because it's awesome. So anyways. And thankfully, at least for the pilot, the show did really well. 12 million viewers. It was the highest rated pilot in the last four years. I had no doubt. So, and no that's doubt. just that's just in the US and Canada. And that was broadcast. That's not even people who are watching it on DVRs later or people who are watching it on Hulu or ABC or CTV or whatever. And I think actually that the... the British premiere of it was tonight. Ooh. So it'll be interesting to see how it does. And it's really neat because they have arranged it so that a lot of countries, there's quite a few countries that are getting it, like pretty close to when the US is getting it. Cool. Like Britain and a few other European countries are getting it this week, basically. And then I think Australia starts like beginning of October. So next week. It's kind of nice that other countries, A, you know, they only have to worry about spoilers for a few days. And then they can all participate. And also so that now, you know, they get this worldwide sort of connection hit of like of yeah. seeing and of seeing how popular it is. Yeah. And whether they should keep making it, which they should. And then one more item to mention, mainly because other people might have seen it and it looks and the news is kind of, oh, my God, what? And we are here to calm you down. It, it's a lot of uh, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Because basically there was a there was a news piece in the Daily Mail a few days ago about someone who supposedly had the copyright to Sherlock Holmes in the U.S., making a big stink about how the U- the BBC had not approached her for permission to make Sherlock. The person in question, her name is Andrea Plunkett. Basically, she's the ex-wife of someone who made a couple Sherlock Holmes movies and had the copyrights in, like, the 1950s in the U.S., and now she's making a stink about BBC. Uh, thing is, if the Daily Mail had done any research, but this is the Daily Fail, so there you go, uh, they would have seen that, like, back in the 1980s, Dame Jean Conan Doyle basically sued this woman to get her to stop saying she had the rights to it, because she didn't have it. And the, the courts said that, yes. We agree. The Doyles. And Jean, Jean Conan Doyle was the last of Arthur Conan Doyle's family to live. Uh, the Doyle estate has all the copyrights. This woman has no claim to it. But she has not stopped yes. claiming. There have been numerous occasions where courts have said she does not have a claim to it. She still acts like she does. So in other words, this is the crazy batshit lady 
that is in your neighborhood that you know everybody you know everybody knows her and everybody stays away from her because she goes around claiming that everything is hers so basically i mean even if she did the only thing she could really do would be to stop them from airing it in the u.s as far as i know because it's a british show it's a british show it's you know produced and created in the uk and she has the u.s rights not even the north american rights the u.s rights so shut your so, pie hole. She might have a problem with PBS, but other than that, but so and even and even then, basically the only rights she can claim are for the last ten stories, which are in the U.S. are still under copyright. All the other Sherlock Holmes stories in the U.S. are in public domain. In the U.K. and in Canada, all the stories are in public domain because the U.S. has the longest. I think it's it's. The life of the author plus 95 years. And in the UK, it's the life of the author plus 70 years. So so they've been out of copyright for quite a while. So in other words, the sky is not falling. Yes. Do not worry. We will still get our Sherlock. We're still going to get our Sherlock. Well, and there was the uh, there was the other thing. Of course, and the funny thing is, too, like in this article and in other things I've seen, she has not said anything about elementary. No. Which is the US show. So why is she not mentioning? Why is she mentioning this? Now, one of the other reasons... I've seen mentioned that she might be attacking BBC Sherlock because she did this did this with the Richie movie. Is she was it that she saw or she read the interview? She, she saw read, the interview. Yeah, saw the interview with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, and it was Letterman, right? I forget. Oh, all right. But basically, well, we found, we'll post Down- we'll post the articles that we found. Robert Downey Jr. was on the interviewing about the Sherlock movies that he did. Yeah, the first one, and he commented. About the gay slash bromance of... Holmes and Watson. That is just there, okay? Yeah. That is there. That's there in the original stories. Come and on. she read or heard this interview and just went off her rocker. Yeah. Totally off her I'm rocker. saying that she was going to, you know, withdraw her permission for them she said, to make any more movies. It would be drastic, but I would. And I'm like, please, center of the universe, not you. So I'm wondering if that's part of the reason why she's making a stink about the BBC yeah. Sherlock, too, because they play with that they, Yeah, and the thing is, as has been explored in other articles and whatever, and, like, I just read about it tonight, they had fanfic shipping those two when the books, when the stories first came out. Yes! This is not new stuff. We are not inventing anything new with the shipping now. The only thing that we're doing is new is spreading it around a lot faster because we have the internet. Yeah. That's the only thing we're doing that's new. And actually, if you guys enjoy Sherlock and the BBC version or any other version, you should probably listen to the Baker Street Babes podcast. They do a lot of, and they talk about, like, the scholarship of Holmes, and they talk about, they have the John Watson appreciation episode. They have the, I think it's the uh, Lestrade appreciation episode, too. They have done interviews. There's some of theirs. They have done interviews with the actress who played Irene Adler. Really? Yes. Wow. They have interviews with Amanda Abington, who is Martin Freeman's wife, wife. partner, and who is going to be in the next, next series. series. Yes. Though this was a while ago, before, well before that casting. But the most, especially to this, what we were just talking about, they've just done two episodes of Sherlock Holmes After Dark, where they actually talk about the history of, you know, writing fic. explicit stuff about Holmes and Watson. X, X-rated fic. And it gets very interesting. And they actually have someone who's like a Holmes scholar who has researched the history of this and has collected this stuff. So it's really interesting. And they're super awesome. If you've ever seen the uh, movie The Great Mouse Detective, 
<laughs> I think they might have an episode specifically about that one because I think one they of them, do, yeah. one or two of them is a huge fan of it. Actually, because of them, I watched it Recently? a few weeks ago. I I kind of wanted to as well. Cause, well, because I, I think I'd seen it when I was a kid. Like, I think I saw it when I... There was bits that I kind of remembered, but I can't quite remember. I don't remember it specifically. But so it was fun to watch it again. There was one part where the Mori- Moriarty sort of advocate... He's trying to basically overthrow Queen Victoria and take over, and so he has a crown on his head. And of course, all I can think of, honey, you should see, see me in a, a crown. crown. So yes, so don't worry. Calm down, Sherlock fans. We will still get our Sherlock love. At some point. No comment. All right. God knows when. So anyways. Okay, back to the regular scheduled episode. Okay, everybody. That's it for this week. We will be back soonish. Hopefully by then. Some people will have started. Come on. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find old episodes or our show notes at our blog, knit1geek2.emptypockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1. G-E-E-K-2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. You can also find them at our Ravelry group. Just search Knit One Geek 2 in Ravelry's groups feature. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can leave a comment at the blog, comment on our Ravelry group, or you can send us an email at knitonegeek2 at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at knitonegeek2. Thanks, and keep geeking on!